Today we are going to uh, continue in our study of the book of Matthew. The gospel of Matthew calls the reader to respond to the kingdom of heaven as a disciple. Would you all say disciple? As a follower of Jesus Christ. And in the weeks ahead, we are about to launch into and just kind of go not quickly through the Sermon on the Mount. That's the, if you have a Bible with the words in red, that, that's a, all that, okay? That's a, that's a lot of words in red, but uh, that's, uh, if you need help, that's Jesus talking, so we are not going to rush through it. How many believe that Jesus has some good things to say to us? We're going to listen carefully. Yeah, I mean, what's the rush? Uh, this morning, we are going to see this. This is, let me just... Get, do this segue here. We saw the, big, the Sermon on the Mount you, begins with what's called the Beatitudes. We, called, we call that, congratulations, you've repented. Okay, it is the congratulatory statements to the repentant. That you are, you have now, you are the most blessed people on the planet because you have repented. It's a celebration of Repentance. Wouldn't that be great Let's, if that were the subtitle in your Bible, The Celebration of Repentance? Wouldn't that be great? I think it'd be great. So ha- having congratulated his followers, now this is what Jesus has done. This is Jesus talking. I want you to try to get your imaginometer on, your, 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 your faith eyes on. This is Jesus. He's, he's leaning in and he's talking to you. He's calling his disciples to look right in his eyes and talk to them now. And... And uh, he's congratulated them for their repentance. And now he tells them in the next two verses, which we're going to spend this week and next week on just these two two metaphors. These two metaphors that Jesus is about to say are so very familiar to the subconscious of really the world, of North American culture, of, uh, of, of cultural Christianity, pop culture even, they are so familiar that, that they, for the most part, people have, they've, it's lost their impact. We want to try to listen to Jesus freshly today because what Jesus is about to say to us in these two first metaphors is this. After having congratulated his disciples on, the, on, on being re- repenting, telling them, congratulations, you're the most blessed people because you've repented, he now tells them that he intends for his disciples to be the most influential people on the planet and to be the source of the highest value, the highest good upon the earth. His disciples are irreplaceable and invaluable to the world. I, I, seven of you is okay, and I know I haven't proven it yet, but I'm hoping that your faith is just going to go for it anyway. Jesus is about to say, you, my disciples, are the most influential and most invaluable people on the planet. You ready? Here we go. Big, long study today. One verse. Yeah. Oh, good. We'll be done early. Chapter 5 and verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? 
it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Lord, thank you for the breath of your spirit that has breathed this word. Now breathe upon us afresh today that we might receive it and respond. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. All right. What, how are we salt and what does that mean? There's two things that we'll look at. We'll look at the metaphor and then the meaning. So let's just lean into the metaphor first. The metaphor. While it is probably wise not to over-milk a metaphor, meaning we don't want to say, oh, we're salt. That means that we're greeny or we're granulized or we're this or we're, we have little pokey parts to us. We might. We don't want to overly milk the metaphor, but we do want to recognize that the Lord Jesus, in his brilliance, in his spirit-inspired brilliance, it selected this metaphor on purpose, and he meant it. Somebody say, he meant it. And so we're going to say, okay, Jesus, you used it. He knew that his immediate audience would understand it, so we want to try to listen to it with the ears of his immediate audience. But he also knew, I think he knew, that his words would be remembered for a smidge afterwards. So he says to his disciples, his followers, he leans into them and says, you are the salt of the earth. All right? So what's the deal with salt? What's the deal? What's the deal with salt? There's a couple of things that would have... We just want to go with the... If we're in the immediate audience, what are the, the, the things that they would have heard and understood first? They probably would not have done a, a, a breakdown of the chemical compound first, right? So we want to go with the, the simplest, the cleanest, the fastest. They heard it. How, what, did, what did Jesus intend? What's the most reasonable way that the original audience would have responded? Well... There's at least two ways, and these aren't in, not an order of importance, but the first one is that salt brings out flavor. It was valuable. Salt is valuable. The, the, his disciples knew that, that salt is valuable. In their day, salt was very valuable. There were times that salt could, would even be exchanged as currency. There were wars fought, fought over salt. Salt was, salt was valuable. Everybody say valuable. But the idea is, he, so that's the first thing they heard, salt, valuable. You are salt. You, I am. There's value here. He's talking about value. Okay, what kind of value? Well, the, 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 it feels a little like junior varsity almost to say, but salt brings out taste. It's not just that, oh, man, Christians make the world spicy. No, it's not just that. You don't just add flair and flair and spice to the world or whatever. You're not just adding color. Salt, listen, salt extracts or reveals the real flavor of a thing. So inside the world, inside the unbeliever, that's a, it's a comparison. You're, um, you're a believer. Okay? Inside the unbeliever, buried underneath there, reposing in a coffin, is the image of God, the call of God. They are, they are, they are created in the image of God when, and desired by heaven to be sons of God. That's the real flavor of life. But apart from the message of the gospel, I can't get there yet, but apart from the message of the gospel, life is bland and tasteless and meaningless. 
So salt brings out flavor. Salt extracts the, the, the innate abiding flavor of the thing, brings it from being bland to bring it. It reveals its true flavor. But perhaps even more important than that, salt, especially to Jesus' audience, salt is a preservative. Salt is applied, they understand that salt is applied to a substance, to life-giving needed substance like food, perishable food. Salt is applied to a substance in order to resist or to prevent corruption and decay. Salt protects and promotes purity. Salt stands as a resistance to the influence of death. So if it's bland, we say, that needs salt. If it's dying, if there's corruption approaching, we say, need salt. Everybody say, need salt. salt. What I, I hope that even the use of this metaphor, you can just look around. I'll jump ahead a little bit that you'll leave here today and look around your world and say, need salt. (laughs) The longer I'm quiet, the more you guys start preaching. (laughs) So salt has the capacity to benefit in fundamental ways, and it does that. It's valuable. It's beneficial just by being there. Just by being present. Not by being isolated, but by being present. Not by arguing, but by being present. It does, salt doesn't even have to raise its voice. It just shows up. You know if salt is there. And you know if salt is not. Salt makes a difference by being there. But... Staying with the metaphor and what Jesus said, if salt loses its distinctiveness, it is worthless. Jesus said, if salt loses its saltiness or its taste or becomes tasteless, it becomes worthless. It is thrown to the streets to be trampled on. If, it, if, if salt loses its, it, what makes it different, then all, the only thing that's, you can't use it for anything else. It's no good on anything. You can't put it on the ground. It'll destroy the ground. The only thing that unsalty salt is good for is to be thrown out into the street. It's no better. It's no different than gravel. It will be trampled upon by men. Now, in the Mediterranean culture, salt would have been harvested from the sea. They would have used large leaves, and they would have essentially scooped out parts of the water and then let that dry. And here's the important part, that as the minerals dried, they had to separate those minerals. It was important to keep them separate. Some would say separate. Because if they didn't, if the salt, the salt minerals mixed with the other minerals, then the, then its then its nature would leach out, and it would and it, by by mixing with the other minerals, it would become like them and become worthless. For it to be useful, it had to be separated. Loss for salt, loss of distinction meant loss of. 
purity and loss of any ability to be useful. For salt to make a difference, it has to be different. All right, there's the metaphor. What's the meaning? I think the meaning begins to make itself clear, but let's lean into it. Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. The earth here refers to the world. It refers to their world. It refers to the people around them. They are the salt to the people they are in contact with. You are salt. Everybody say, we are salt. We are salt. Okay, here's the deal. So number one, that means disciples, if salt is valuable, disciples are valuable to the world. Disciples are valuable to the world. Right away, we've got to we've got to rethink this whole fortress mentality. Withdraw, go build, go go hide our bury our head in the sand. Go go withdraw. No, we are we are. Think about Jesus. Remember we said everywhere if if there if it's tasteless, we say ah I need salt. If there's corruption, we say ah I need salt. I want you to imagine Jesus reaching his hand into this massive bucket of salt, looking around the world and grabbing you and saying he's got a he's casting you, he's throwing you out there because you are the hope of this planet he's sending you you are the difference you're the distinction you are the salt there is a plan b this is this is stated in the indicative not the imperative now again this is a little greek it's not in the imperative mood it's not in in a subjunctive clause meaning it's not you should be salt and it's not you are salt if it is you are meaning there is no other option he doesn't have a plan b you're the plan Disciples are valuable to the world. Disciples are valuable to the world. I know you say, well, Jesus said, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. That's a genitive ablative, meaning my kingdom does not derive its power, its value, or its source of this world or from this world. But his kingdom came to this world to influence and transform this world. So you are not of or from this world, but you are sent to it. You are valuable to the world. You bring flavor to the world. You you extract, reveal flavor. What do you mean by that, Dav? You know what I mean. I mean that you bear and bring the truth. You steward the the message of truth of what life is, what hope is, who God is, why we're here, what we're doing, who we are, where we came from, where we're going. Apart from you and apart from the message that you bear and bring, this world is bland, it is tasteless, it is meaningless. Apart from the message that you carry, this world will only continue into blandness, into despair, into depression, and into death. People will remain, they will remain confused. Their life will be blurred. Their life will be meaningless apart from you. You are the salt of the earth. Apart from you, apart from the gospel, life makes no sense. It has lost its taste entirely. It needs salt. 
furthermore, and perhaps more so, you are the preservative in the world. You add flavor to it, and you are the preservative in the world. I know, I know, we're, hey, I know we don't like preservatives. Oh, this, this meat has no preservative. That means it's going to rot more quickly. <laughs> you are the preservative in the world. Friends, Jesus said, you are the barrier against corruption and decay. Jesus said, you arrest corruption. Jesus said, you prevent decay. Jesus said, what is good, like salt, what is good, you keep wholesome. If it's wholesome, what God has declared is beautiful and good and right, you keep it that way. God's, God created marriage as a beautiful thing. You keep it that way. You, you parent, you keep parenting wholesome. You keep, you keep marriage wholesome. God created work, be a good worker. You keep, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? You keep what God made, you keep it wholesome. Sanctity of life, you protect it. Sacredness of human sexuality, you uphold it. What is corrupt, you oppose. You stand as the barrier like salt. You put salt there and it stands as the barrier between life and the encroaching of death. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you are that. He didn't say, go out and try. You are that. As you follow Jesus, you follow him closely, living for him and living like him, you are salt. You need to see again that Jesus defines discipleship as behavior. Not as the acquiring of information and organizing it, but as behavior. And more so, behavior that influences. You are the salt of the earth. No replacement, no plan B. If this is going to happen, you're going to do it. Without equivocation, Jesus claims that the function of his disciples will determine the fate of the world. But, disciples must be different from the world. Salt loses its distinction when it becomes like the minerals around it. Has there ever been, has there ever, I may suppose there has been, but let's just say it this way. Has there ever been a more horrible twisting of Paul's words when he said, I, I become all things to all men? And what he meant was, I give up certain rights in order not to offend my audience. That's all he meant. I have rights. I give some of them up. He meant it, to, he meant it to, to sacrifice some of his privileges, not to imitate behaviors. And yet the people have blasphemed that to promote Christian chameleonism that supposedly is supposed to influence culture 
and we've just lost our salt. Jesus said, if salt becomes, the New American Standard, if salt becomes tasteless, it is no longer good for anything. If it becomes tasteless, it's good for nothing. The word for tasteless here is interesting. It, 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 it denotes foolish and immoral behavior, which is tasteless. But the word tasteless there means foolish and immoral behavior. You know, the Greek word, it's, and it's, it's interesting. If you read it, if you read it in the Greek and kind of sound that out, you'll hear it. He actually said, if you become a moron, That's where, it's where we get our word for moron. If you become moronic, if you become a fool, that Paul used it in Romans chapter 1, verse 22. He said, professing to be wise, they became fools. Literally, they became tasteless. If salt loses its distinction, it's worthless. It's thrown out and trampled. So <laughs> believers can make peace with the world. They can avoid persecution. They can gain cultural acceptance and forfeit their value, be rendered impotent, and then be rejected and trampled upon by the very world we sought to appease. To be valuable, to make any difference, you must be different. The New Testament regularly, often, repeatedly enjoins us, teaches us to be different. Let me just read a couple of portions from the New Testament that just lay it out there. I know there are some folks, don't get upset, you will, but just simmer down. There are some folks that say that these words in red that we're reading are part of the, are part of the Old Testament that's under the law, and we no, we no longer have to listen to them, and we should just listen to Paul. I, I know. I don't have time to explain how they got there, but it's a long dot to dot. But it's, 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 it's bananas. But let's just say, well, I, well, clearly Paul says we don't have to be any different. <laughs> hmm. uh, here's Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to, be a, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not become like the minerals around you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, so that you might demonstrate, so that you might influence people toward the will of God, which is perfect and acceptable and neat stuff that I skipped just now. Whoops. Okay. And then Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. So this I say, listen to this, and affirm it together with the Lord. What do you mean by that? Paul says, well, I'm saying this, but I'm saying it with the Holy Spirit himself. Me, I'll say it this way. Me and the Holy Ghost say this. That you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk. In the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, ex excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. 
if indeed you have heard him and been taught in him, if you are a follower of Jesus, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Get rid of it, which is being corrupted. Yes, corrupted. Get rid of it. No more corruption, which is corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, then that you might be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on a new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Finally, 1 Peter, just throw Peter in there as well. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Your life must be different. You should taste differently. You should talk differently. Act differently. I think we should shop differently and spend differently. You parent differently. You spouse differently. You you date differently. Vote differently. Vote? Yeah, do that. Speak differently. Stand up. Resist. Speak out. Exemplify. Demonstrate. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. Our, wep- the wep- our weapons are not carnal, they are mu- but they are mighty through God. We don't come with tanks and swords and guns. We come with faith in the name of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, he came out of the grave and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. I don't care what nation, I don't care what city, I don't care what county, I don't care what flag they wave, they're deceived. Jesus owns the whole place. Jesus owns the whole thing. He does. You can. But if we aren't different, we have forfeited our value. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus intended his followers to have a profound influence upon the world. And as much as ever in our history, Our function as salt is urgent. Our world has lost its taste for life. Our world is rotting with decay. But you bring the taste of life. You you are the preservative in the world. Without you, your world is bland and meaningless. And you are the barrier against corruption and decay. Your presence, your presence is salt. Your voice, your testimony, your lifestyle, your attitude, your appearance, your worship, your discipleship, your sacrifice, your service, your giving, your living, your doing Your presence is 
salt, your difference. Sometimes I think what people wonder, do I, am I making any difference? Your presence is the difference. This world needs salt. You are the salt of the earth. Let me close with one additional thought. Haven't cha- not changing the subject. But I will say it's not something that I have found written much. This is that. Jesus is calling for total commitment. Let's see, why do you say that, Dev? Um, he said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt always wins. Always. There's a big little patch of ice. We just had this little patch of ice out there on the sidewalk. If I put salt down that ice, that ice loses. Salt always wins. If you don't think salt always wins, oversalt your steak today. See who wins. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Salt, one, steak, zero. Salt always wins. Salt wins against ice. It wins against decay. It wins against flavorlessness. Salt always wins. But it never comes back from the mission. Salt spends itself for the cause. It never comes back. Big bag of salt, I poured out on that ice in my driveway. That salt, in altruism, with a cry of victory, pours itself out of my driveway, takes out that ice, spends itself, but I don't get to gather the salt back up and put it back in the sack. It spends itself for the mission. Our function as salt is not short term it is an act of worship it is an act of service and sacrifice to the Lord Jesus we give our lives we spend our lives to be salt that is a disciple That is a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to follow him.